Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, church. If you're new around here and I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC, and we're so excited that you're here with us this morning. This is the third week in this series of messages that we've been doing called Villains. And in, this, in these messages, we're looking at stories in the Bible. We're not looking at heroes in the faith, although we do that quite a bit, but we're looking at the villains, um, men and women that were, that were bad in the Bible. And as we look at their story, we're, we're finding out what are things that we need to avoid? What are roadblocks that they had or obstacles in their life that we don't want to follow after because we don't want to become the villains in our story. And so we started off the first week by looking at the devil and the deception that he brings in our life to try to destroy us. Last week we talked about Pharaoh, um, this well-known villain in the Bible, and how he allowed his heart to become hard. And it was no longer moldable or shapeable. He couldn't hear the voice of God anymore in his life. And he became rebellious against God. And it, it ultimately led to his kind of destruction. And so we're, today we're going to look at another villain in the Bible and once again look at how do we avoid the pitfalls that this villain fell in. And as I was thinking about this message this week and this series, um, thinking about villains and even heroes, I thought, man, there's something about a way that a hero stands, isn't there? Like when you think about it, heroes and these superheroes, they have certain stances. Like you don't go to the grocery store and see someone standing like this in line, do you? Just checking out at the grocery store here or they're not standing there like this, okay? It's just, it's not natural because those kinds of things, those stances, how they stand, it's, it kind of leads you to believe they're getting ready to do something, like they're a symbol of justice or something. But with villains, it's kind of different. Like a villain really doesn't have a certain stance. There's not a certain way that they stand where you think, oh, that's a villain. But more, it's where they stand at. With the villain, it's the kind of place that they're standing in, right? Like if you think about maybe superhero movies, you think of people like, the penguin and Batman, and he's down in the sewers. Like, who lives down in the sewers, right? It's, it's stinky, it's yucky, but it kind of sets up the atmosphere. You're getting a feel for who that character is. And the Lion King, right? Scar, he's not with the other lions. He's with all of the hyenas in this dark kind of green place. And, and so where the villain stands kind of sets up the story of what they're going to be like and, and who they are. It kind of gives you a picture of what they are about. And today in the story that we're going to look at, we're going to look at where this villain was standing and how it led to certain thought patterns and certain ideas and actions in their life that ultimately caused them to become the villain in their story. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 16. This is where we're going to be reading at today. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you, maybe one or two seats over, and it's on page 139 in that Bible in front of you. And I want to encourage you to open that up and to turn to Judges chapter 16, and we're going we're gonna to read together this story. And as you're turning there, I want to give you a picture of what's taking place in this book of the Bible, in the book of Judges. In this part of the story, um, God's people have come into the promised land. So what we talked about last week, they've come out of Egypt, they've come from underneath this reign of Pharaoh, this oppression of Pharaoh, this villain in the Bible, and God has brought them into their own land. And as they came into this land, they began to settle and build houses and kind of spread out and have families, all of these type of things. And as they did, they became comfortable. 
And when they become comfortable, they fell into this pattern that we see over and over again in the book of Judges where they would think, man, everything's going good. It doesn't seem like we really need God in our life. We've got this thing under control. We can handle this on our own. And so they would reject God. They would stop worshiping him. They would kind of walk out from under his protection. And other nations would come in and oppress them. Other nations would come in and steal from them and raid them and do all of these type of things. And then they would all of a sudden, they would panic. God, you've got to do something. Help us. And God would raise up a judge, a leader, someone that would kind of stand up for justice, this military leader who would bring freedom to God's people. And their heart, the people's hearts would repent and they would return to God until they became comfortable again and go back into this cycle. And so we see this over and over again in the book of Judges. And in this story that we're going to look at today, God had raised up a judge named Samson. Now, even if you don't know a lot of the stories of the Bible, you may have heard about Samson. He was this kind of massive bodybuilder, bulky guy, right? Like he's this strong man in the Bible. We picture him. He's ripped apart lions. Okay, the Philistine army, this kind of other nation that was oppressing Israel, he um, killed a thousand soldiers with the jawbone of a donkey. So no sword, no machine gun, nothing like that, guys. Okay, but just the jawbone of a donkey. He takes out a thousand of them. God raised him up to be a leader in Israel to free them from the oppression of the Philistines. But Samson has a villain in his story, someone that comes along that brings about his destruction. And we want to look at this lady today. And so in Judges chapter 16, verse 4, we're going to look at the villain in this story. And it's talking about Samson, and it says, Samson here, after this took place, Samson came about that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came to her, came to Delilah, and said, Entice him, and see where Samson's great strength lies, and how we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And then we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength is and how you may be bound. So Delilah makes a deal with these guys. And and they say, hey, just get Samson to tell you his secret. Come and tell us. We're going to give you a lot of money. And so Delilah knows that Samson loves him. She goes to him and she says, Samson, tell me. Go ahead. Give me your secret. What's going on? What makes you so strong? How do you defeat all of your enemies? And Samson isn't willing to part with his secret yet. And so he begins to give all of these other things. If you tie me with new rope that's never been used, um, if you take this weed and you wrap it around me, if you tie my long hair into this um, kind of um, weaver's rod or this different types of things. And then eventually she knows, hey, this isn't taking away your strength. And so in verse 15, it says this, jump down a little bit. And in verse 15, it says, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've deceived me these three times and not told me where your great strength is. And it came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. And so he told her all that was in his heart. And he said, a razor has never come to my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And if I am shaved, then my strength will leave me and I will become weak like any other man. When Delilah saw that all that was in his heart had been told to her, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all that is in his heart. And then the lord of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. 
Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with chains. And he was a grinder in the prison. So this is the story of Samson. A villain enters the story here. She makes her way into Samson's life, and she finds out his secret, and then she takes him out. She um, exploits that, takes away his great strength. And so what is it that we see in the life of this villain? What is it that Delilah does that makes her a villain inside of this story? And as I started to read this, the first thing that kind of stood out to me is what I mentioned at the beginning. The author gives us this backdrop of where this villain is from. She's in the Valley of Sorek. And so if you're reading this story, you may think, well, that's just another Hebrew um, town that's kind of hard to pronounce or this area that's difficult to say. But there was something that the author was saying here. Sorek was kind of a play on words. And in the Hebrew language, it meant this place that was unfruitful. It meant this place that was worthless. It was this kind of barren wasteland that no one would want to be in because nothing good was going to come out of that place. And so as the the Hebrew author here, as he's writing, he's setting up kind of the backdrop on the villain in this story. And he's saying something about the place where she is found at. The place where she stands. Because this place was surrounded by the Philistine nation. And she was in a place that, where she was in close um, proximity, close kind of um, estimation to the people that were enemies of God. And it would have led anyone that read this story to take note of that and to ask this question, where is it that I'm standing? Where's the place that I'm found at? Because that's part of what causes her to be a villain in this story, the place where she's located out. Now, I'm not talking about a physical location. I'm not talking about the street that you live on or your your address or anything like that, but more of the condition of your heart. See, because where you're found at, the place where you're standing, the place where your heart is given to can say a lot about who you are in the story of your life. And if you're in the wrong place, it may cause you, like Delilah, to become the villain in your story because you're not in a place that's fruitful. You're not in a place that's going to produce anything good in your life, and you come out being the villain in your story. Now, I remember growing up, and a lot of times in church, you know, Christians would say things like, well, there's places where Christians shouldn't go. You know, there's places where they shouldn't be found, and some of that didn't make sense to me, like, you know, the movie theater or football games, Christians shouldn't go there, but that's not what they're talking about in this story. It's asking the question, where is your heart? See, have you, are you standing in a place? Are you located in a place that's causing you to be the villain in your story because of who you've surrounded yourself with and because of what that place symbolizes that nothing good will come out of that place? So church, let me ask you that this morning. Where are you standing at? Where is your heart at? Because the scripture says that, that, that we're known by our fruits. We're known by what is taking place inside of our life. And so is your life bearing good fruit or is it bearing bad fruit? Are you the villain in the story of your life? Are you like Delilah in a place that you should never be? And as we look at this, we see it's where she's standing. We see that's the backdrop for this story of her being the villain. But what else makes her the villain in this story is her view of love. Her understanding of what love is and what it means to love someone else. And you start to read this in verse 5. We're told that Samson loved this woman. Now, as you read the story of Samson, you pick up on this pretty quickly. Samson is a womanizer, okay? He has issues with women. Women are his downfall. Like He keeps on um, falling in love or or marrying these women or being around these women. And they cause issues in his life um, that lead to no good in his life. But this is the first time we're actually told in the story that Samson loves someone. This is where the author the first time pins that 
he's actually in love with the woman. He's not just around her. He's not just spending time with her, but he actually loves her. He's given her heart, his heart to her. But we're not told if Delilah feels the same. I don't know if you've ever been in that awkward situation for the first time where you're like out with someone, I, I love you, and you're waiting, right, for that response that they say something back, and there's dead silence. You don't know what to say next. And I don't know if that happened in Samson's story because we're, we're told that he loves Delilah, but we're never shown anywhere in the story that she actually loves him back. And her view on love is tainted. Delilah believes this. You know, Delilah can be bought for a price. We see that in the story. There's a certain amount that, that she was paid to actually betray the person that loved her. She was willing to be bought for a price. 1,100 um, shekels of silver by these five Philistine lords. She's willing to give up the love of her life for that. And when she takes on this mindset that she can be bought, she assumes that other people can too. That other things can. That love is somehow conditional. That love can be bought. That there's all of these external things on the love in our life. And that it can be purchased as a price. It's a commodity like anything else. Because Delilah takes on this mindset that she can be bought. She assumes that love can as well. And church, when you have that mindset... When you have the mindset that you can be bought and that love can come at a price, you become the villain in your story. When you assume that love comes with all of these conditions and, and that there's a price tag on it, you begin to treat people like property instead of like a person who they are. When you believe that love can be bought, you treat people like a property instead of like the person that they are. And you become the villain in your story. You're no longer concerned with how they feel, with who they are, with their emotions, with how to serve them. You're only in it for what you gain out of it. Are you going to get enough money out of this relationship? We see this as she talks with Samson. Samson, you've said that you loved me. You told me that, Samson. You've declared your love for me, yet you're lying to me. And if you really loved me, you would tell me the secret of your great strength. If you ever hear those words, run, okay? Because that is not true love. Okay, that's not a fairy tale ending, okay? If you really loved me, you would do this. If you really loved me, then you'll do this for me. You'll, you'll give me this. That is love at a price. And that's not what love is. See, love can be accepted and rejected. It can never be bought. You need to realize that. Love can be accepted or rejected. When you love someone, you're making yourself vulnerable. But it can never be bought at a price because love doesn't come with conditions like that. And Delilah became the villain because she believed that. She believed that because she had been bought at a price that other things could be too. And Samson, if he really loved her, that he would pay for it in some way. He would do something for her that would really prove his love. She believed that love had conditions in her life. Now, you may never be like the villain like Delilah was where you're willing to sell out someone close to you for money. Hopefully, you never do that. But sometimes it's not... In those kinds of actions, it's in the subtle things in our life, isn't it? We may never openly declare that, like say, to, say that to someone, well, if you really love me, you'll do this. But we do things by manipulating them through the actions because we want them to do something for us. And we assume, well, it's part of love, right? That's a part of loving people is they have to do stuff for you. But that's not what love is. And when we do that in our lives, we become the villains in our story. When I... I'm resting on a Saturday evening, and I'm like, Sarah, you love me, right? Can you go get me some food? 
like, I'm really hungry, but I'm tired. I don't want to get off of the couch. That's not the best picture of love in our marriage, you guys. That's not what love is. See, love gives, gives of itself freely without any strings attached, without any conditions. And we demonstrate the love of Christ when we love other people in that same way. Not by telling them, if you do something for me, then I'll know that you really love me. Or if you really love me, then you'll prove it by doing this. No, that's love at a price. And we're never shown that picture of love in the Bible. See, Jesus demonstrates his love for us unconditionally. And the dangerous thing is when we believe love can be bought, we assume that that's how God interacts with us. See, we start to think, well, that's God's love towards us then, that if I do enough good stuff, God will love me more, right? I mean, look, I came to church on a Sunday morning. I got up early, right? I got dressed. I got my family ready. And I came here, and I'm sitting in this service. And so, therefore, I know God really loves me today. Like, I read my Bible. I did my spiritual checklist. I prayed. And so, of course, God loves me more today than yesterday when I was messing up. God loves me more. But you guys, that's not God's picture of love. See, that's a messed up view of love. We're told in Scripture that God loved us before we did anything. The Word of God says that we were enemies of the cross. We were actually opposed to God. And before we had done one thing, God demonstrated His love for us by giving up His life so that we could be in a relationship with Him. That's the picture of love. And the danger is that when we start thinking love can be bought, we assume that's how our relationship with God should function. We assume that's how our relationship with others should function, that there's some kind of price tag on the love that they have for us, and we can make them do things for us because they love us. And when we do that, we're like Delilah. We become the villains in our story. We become the villains in our story, and we end up treating people as property. It not only affects her view of love, but it impacts her relationships that she has around her. Look at verse 5. Like you see where she's at. She strikes up this conversation with these Philistine lords, these five Philistine leaders. And they start to talk to her. Hey, Delilah, I'll tell you what. Just entice Samson. Do something. Get his secret. We're going to give you the money and then we'll come in. And what does it say? We'll bind him and we'll afflict him. And then there's these number of interactions that Delilah has with the Philistine lords. She keeps on calling them, hey, come, I think I've got a secret, and then it doesn't work out. And so she's constantly interacting with these people who are against the people of God. And then you read in verse 19, and you see a shift that has happened in the life of Delilah. This is what it says on verse 19. She calls Samson over and makes him sleep on her knees. And then she calls another man and has him shave the seven locks of Samson's hair off. And then Delilah, she begins to afflict him. And his strength leaves him. Do you see where Delilah's gone? There's been a progression in her life. She starts off with this conversation. Hey, Delilah, if you'll just get his secret, if you'll just get his secret and tell us, then we'll come in, we'll bind up Samson, we'll afflict him, we'll do those things. But at the end of the story, who's the one actually doing that it's Delilah a conversation had become a lifestyle in her life these things that were just words that were spoken were now actions that she was living out and there was this dangerous thing that happened because of where she was at because of the relationships that she allowed to enter into her life she became like the people that she befriended 
She became like the people that she befriended. She was willing to spend time with liars, with people who were willing to destroy others, with people who were deceptive, and eventually she became like them, and she was willing to do what they were going to do. It wasn't the Philistines that came in and bound up Samson and afflicted him. It was actually Delilah at the end of the story. And we become the villain in our story when we're not careful who we're befriending. When we're not careful of the relationships that we have and we begin to become like those people that we've just spent time with. See, it may start out as a conversation, but if we're not careful, it becomes a lifestyle like Delilah's was. That we're willing to act on those things that we've talked about at the start of the story. So in the story of your life, what are those key relationships in your life? Are you becoming like people who are enemies of God? Who are against Christianity? Are you taking on more and more of those characteristics? Like the people that you spend time with, those are the people that you become like. I've heard a lot of leaders and authors write about this idea that I can tell you who you're going to be over the next five years if you'll show me the five closest relationships that you have. We tend to become like those people. You know, I've mentioned before I grew up um, and I have one older brother, and we're very close in relationship. We're 13 months apart, and we're extremely close friends. And I can remember growing up and spending so much time together, I became a lot like my brother. And if you've ever heard him speak, when we speak at each other's churches, he's a pastor as well. Um, when we were youth pastors, the students were like, I can close my eyes, and I feel like the other brother standing up there. You guys sound so much alike. And we used to call my secretary and prank her because she couldn't tell the difference between if it was Michael or if it was me. And so we had a lot of fun with that. But we became like each other because we spent so much time together. But we are not often, often intentional about that in our life. See, Jesus was a friend of sinners. He spent time around those people, but he was careful that he did not become influenced by them, that he was the one who was influencing others. But Delilah is not careful about that. And at the end of the story, she begins to do what the Philistines said they were going to do to Samson. She's the one who afflicts him and binds him up and hands him over. She's accepted their kind of lifestyle. And church, if we're not careful, if we're not cautious, about those relationships that we have, if we're not making sure that we're the influencer and not being influenced by others, the things that start out as conversation, you'll find yourself living that kind of lifestyle before long. You'll open yourself up to things that you were never meant to be a part of, and you'll become the Delilah in the story of your life. See, we have to be careful that we don't become the villain by things that we accept, by things that we open ourselves up to. So church, I want to ask you, where are you standing at? Where's the backdrop of your story being lived out on? Are you the villain in your story because of where you're at, because of who you're surrounding yourself by? Are you becoming like the people that you've befriended? Are you no longer the influencer, but you're being influenced by their actions and you're becoming the villain in your story? Have you accepted the idea that love can be bought, that it's this conditional thing, and that you can use people and manipulate people, and they've become more a property than an actual person to you? Because when those things begin to take hold in our life, we become the villain in the story. Like Delilah, we hurt others. We use others. 
Instead of God using us to minister to others, we're being used to bring death and destruction to other people around us by the words that we speak, by the thoughts that we have, by the attitudes of our heart. Now, as I've mentioned every week, the Bible is a story with many villains. A lot of people that we're going to see that we're trying to bring about destruction to other people. But there's one central hero in the Bible. It's not the people of faith that we think of. The hero in the story of Scripture, it's the person of Jesus Christ. And all throughout the story of Scripture, we see these pictures and images of who Christ is and what Christ does for our life. And we see that in Samson's life. See, at the end of Samson's story, even though he had messed up, even though he had made mistakes at the end, he gives up his life to bring freedom to his people. In the middle of this Philistine Colosseum, he places his hands against these two pillars and he prays one last prayer. God, if you can use my life, if you can do something with me through my death, God, do something to bring freedom to the people of Israel, to the people that you've called me to serve. And with God's strength on his life, he crushes this building by pushing out these pillars. In his death, he destroyed more of God's enemies than he ever did at any point in his life. He was willing to give of himself so that others could know freedom. And it's this small picture of who Jesus is. See, Jesus came and he didn't make mistakes like Samson did. He didn't sin like Samson did or like we've done. He was perfect. That's what makes him the hero in the story. But he came and he gave himself for us. He sacrificed his life. He gave of his own life so that you and I could know the freedom of living in God's kingdom. So that our story could end differently. So we didn't have to become the villain in our story. But that we could know the righteousness of Christ. Jesus is the hero in the story. And I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes. And as I've been talking this morning, there may be those of you here. And maybe in your thought process, you've thought of God as the villain in the story. Like your picture of God in church is that God's up there and he's waiting for you to mess up so that he can drop some kind of like gavel and he can judge you and he can send you to hell. He's just waiting for you to mess up your life. But this morning, as I've been talking, you're realizing that he's the hero in the story. Maybe you're looking at your own life thinking, man, I'm becoming the villain. I've made mistakes. I've hurt other people. With my own selfish acts, maybe intentionally, unintentionally, I've put a condition on love. And if that's you this morning, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and to come forward to the altar, and I want to pray for you. The scripture is very clear that we've all sinned, that we've all messed up, we've all missed the mark when it comes to our relationship with God. We're all in need of a Savior. We're in need of someone to rescue us. From our sinful lives. And if that's you here this morning. You know that you need a brand new start. You know that you do not have a relationship with God. You've walked away from that relationship. Or you've never had it. But this morning you want a brand new start. You want a fresh life. A new life from Christ. To know his love that is unconditional. If that's you with no one looking around right now. Would you step out of your seat. Would you stand up right where you're at. And come forward. This morning to the altar, I want to pray for you. 
anyone at all, I'll wait just a moment. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. If God's speaking to your heart, if you know that you need to respond, you need a fresh start. Well, church, then I want to pray for all of us. And this is what I want to pray this morning. I want to pray that God would help us to not be the villain in our story. That we would not view love as a conditional thing. We would not try to set a price tag on that, but we would demonstrate the unconditional love of Christ to everyone around us. In our family, at our workplace, with our friendships, that we would be an example of God's love. And through that, that other people's lives would be changed. And so church, just pray with me that God would do that inside of each and every one of us this morning. Lord, we come before you, God, and we see the story of Delilah. God, we see the pitfalls that she fell into, God, where she wasn't careful where she was at. Lord, and she opened up her heart to, to relationships and to influences, Lord, that caused her to become the villain in her story. And God, I pray for us as a church that we would not fall into that same pattern, Lord. But God, use our life, Lord. Use the unconditional love that we have received from you to make a difference in other people around us, God. Help us to not be the villain in our story, Lord. But Lord, let us be an example of who you are. Lord, let us represent you well to people all around us, God, in our family, to people that are close to us, to friendships, to relationships in our workplace, God. Lord, let us be an example of who you are. And through that, bring about change and transformation in others' lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen.